Um, I remember having a going, doing basically a work like potluck, and it was the most one of the things that just surprised me so much was everybody didn't know what individuals were bringing, and what ended up happening was one person from Jamaica made sorrel, which everybody knows in the Caribbean is this, this great made from hibiscus flowers and your and your sugar and a little bit of ginger for the kick, but. There was other. There was two other countries represented that had the exact same drink, but done differently. So we didn't even know that we shared something that in common. And I mean, it was basically Caribbean versus like Middle Eastern. So it's the idea of a Nigerian as well. So it's the idea that you could see where we are still united. <laughs> Uh, welcome, welcome everyone to the Breathe Easy podcast. I am your host, Ralph Plaskett. I am joined by my co-host. Co-host, say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Good evening, everybody. Thank y'all for joining us. Thanks for coming out. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you this evening. And we have a special guest. Mr. Jerome Oliver, we're going to introduce him here in a second. But we got some housekeeping things that we got to take care of. Um, first and foremost, we are so glad that you guys can join us this night. Uh, we have our loyal uh, followers, our loyal viewers who come out and watch us every um, Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are thankful uh, for you guys. Um, as you guys will know, if you watch any one of our episodes, uh, we are uh, have a purpose for these uh, episodes, these podcast, this podcast that we have. Right, our intent here is really uh, to do the work or contribute to destigmatizing mental health. What does that mean? Right, if we can boil it all down, we're all we're focusing on creating psychological safety within our community. So we're going to have all kind of topics that's going to come up in these uh, episodes, in, these, in this podcast, in these lives. Um, some, we, some of them might not seem as a connection to mental health, right? But we are all human. We all have mental capacity and everything contributes or affects our mental health um, in some way, shape or form. And the topic that we have tonight uh, is certainly plays into that and it plays into the joy that brings us joy. Um, certainly as we you know partake in what we're going to talk about tonight, certainly as we partake in it and, and the memories and all of that stuff um, that comes with it. I don't want to give too much away. If you haven't already, go ahead and if you're watching us on, on YouTube, subscribe. Um, go ahead and hit the bell button. Um, if you're on Facebook, follow our page. Share, 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 because it also helps us with our mission of destigmatizing mental health, creating psychological safety in our communities. Um, if And if you just watched like 15 minutes before this just happened, I went live on Instagram on Breathe Easy Media's page as at Breathe Easy Media. If you don't follow us there, go ahead and follow. Uh, we're so excited for you to be along with us in this journey. So I am, I am, we, you know, we have a, I have a personal, you know, I mean, we have a lot of, viewers right but i have a personal favorite of mine and that's miss judy miss judy comes through with the tnt flag waving every time watching our show on the live or or um, or afterwards so happy that she can join us here uh this evening so that was the intro right um and then you know we have we have a disclaimer that we got to get into before you know, we could really get into the nitty gritty of uh, of this uh, episode, right? And usually, our our um, our co-host Cal he usually covers this disclaimer. Unfortunately, he's not here with us tonight. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it for you. 
You can see I had to take a drink of water in my new Breathe Easy <laughs> Media cup. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, um, so, so this content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice um, of your mental health professionals or other qualified health provider uh, with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never, never disregard professional advice or delay it in seeking it because of something that you heard here on this podcast. If you're in a crisis or if you uh, think you're in an emergency, certainly call your doctor, call 911 immediately. If you have any suicidal thoughts, um, you can always, always, always call, no matter what time of day, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area. That's the National Suicide Prevention uh, Hotline. If you are located outside of the United States, certainly call your local emergency line immediately. Breathe Easy Media is not in, not a direct service organization. Breathe Easy Media does not recommend or endorse any clinicians, counselors, psychiatrists, social workers, physicians, products, uh, procedures, opinions, uh, or other information that may be mentioned in our podcast. Reliance on any information provided by Breathe Easy Media host or Breathe Easy Media guests or any others appearing on the Breathe Easy Media platform is solely at your own risk. You did it. You did, you it. did it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All you know, Chris. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest for this evening. This gentleman is born in the St. Thom Thomas USVI. He currently holds his PhD, or he's a PhD candidate, excuse me, at Howard University with a focus in environmental microbiology. He's very plan and goal oriented individual, which pushes him to achieve various endeavors in life. He also has a strong passion for not only his cultural food, but the exploration of other cultural foods. The beauty of diversity intrigues him. I like that. <laughs> Last but not least, he has a desire to help others and be a mentor to others when he is given the opportunity to do so. Mr. Jerome Oliver, thank you thank for joining you. us this evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> very honored. Very honored. Microbiology, PhD. Wee. I mean, you must be one smart guy, man. <laughs> One step at a time. I mean, it's beautiful because microorganisms play such a big role in not only in the environment, which is where my focus is in, but in the topic that we talked about today, which is food, your yogurts, you have your bacteria there, you have microorganisms everywhere. So just the concept of knowing that something so small can play such a big role is, is intriguing. Yeah, you scare me. Tell us what's really Yes. So let's get into it. And I'm going to kick it off with a question to you. Talk to us about how your passion with food started. So I would say my passion with food started as a young age. I guess I like to eat, so to speak. So the connection of food and enjoying like just the different tastes and flavors, what your parents hang, you know, give to you while you're, you know, trying things to say yay or nay. Um, my passion kind of more got driven because my father cooked a lot. And so um, cooking with him was one of the things I was able to kind of do and enjoy being able to do something with my father. I know most people would say, oh, their mother is the one who they who they look for their home-cooked foods. I was, it was the other way around in my household. It was, oh my, can't wait to see if my father will have some stewed chicken, some peas and rice and such there. So I would say that is what kind of like drove, drove me to the passion of cooking. Cool, cool. So... I've had the pleasure of tasting your food, and it is as good as advertised, first of all, let me say. And the thing about it is, and this is why we wanted to have you on as a guest this evening, I also had the pleasure of watching you prepare the food. And you can see that you truly have a passion and a joy for you know cooking and not only cooking, but watching people partake uh, you know, in the foods that you prepare. 
Can you talk to us just about the joy that it brings you? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I the thing is, I feel when it comes to making food, it's you're putting a part of you in it. So like a, a smidget of your soul kind of falls into the pot if you have a true passion for it. And so being able to put something together and then be able to see someone enjoy the food and like the flavors you try to get and just the smile on their face. Or, you know, when some people are eating food and they enjoy it, they start to sing. Like, that's the exciting thing. Like, oh my goodness, this is great. So I love, because also, like I said, it's like sharing who you are. And when I was talking, like you talked about in my intro, is even being able to share that with other cultures and other people is that not only are you getting a part of who I am, but where I come from. So I'm glad you brought up the intro because I want to go back to that. <laughs> the beauty of diversity intrigues me. You get you gotta you gotta explain that to us. <laughs> Open it up for us. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, as a, when I went for my undergrad at George Mason University, boop boop for that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it is one. It was one of the most diverse campuses on in in the Northern Virginia area. So. We were connected to like the Caribbean Civil Association is me and a group of my friends started. And then we connected with other um, organizations there, whether it be Ethiopian Student Association, Filipino Cultural Circle. So at that point, we got to see other people's cultures right on campus. Many of the places had, we had like cultural nights because it was like an international week, which is basically just showing the diversity of different areas, different places. Flags are hung up in one of the big places there. And so every night you got to be able to get cultural food from these places, from these different countries. And of course, being an undergraduate, you don't even really have that much money as it is, as well as now you could get free food from a different culture. So then I was able to even just explore the different cultures and the foods that I could enjoy. And so it's beautiful to be able to see even some smidgets of your culture mixed in to just show how united we are. And so that is kind of like the way I say just the beauty of everything just intrigues me. Um, I remember having a going, doing basically a work like potluck and it was the most, one of the things that just surprised me so much was everybody didn't know what individuals were bringing. And what ended up happening was one person from Jamaica made sorrel, which everybody knows in the Caribbean is this, this great, made from hibiscus flowers and your, and your sugar and a little bit of ginger for the kick. But there was other, there was two other countries represented that had the exact same drink but done differently so we didn't even know that we shared something that in common and i mean it was basically caribbean versus like middle eastern so it's the idea of a nigerian as well so it's the idea that you could see where we are still united yet have these things that are, are a little separate yeah and that's what i think you know i was i was chatting with somebody i don't know who it was at this point in time the whole week is running together but <laughs> it you know the one thing that you can find at any um, any event, any celebration of life, any anything is food. Food is a common denominator across the board, right? You want to have a, a conversation, be a, you know uh, 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 an easy conversation or a difficult one, be it a business deal or what have you. Food is at the center of it. All all of the gatherings, family, food is at the center of it. And it's so interesting that you say, regardless um, of where, you know, you said that example of your potluck, regardless of where these people were from, they came with a similar uh, similar dish, right? Um, I'd be interested to kind of have you expound even more on the whole diversity aspect and how we see, you know, certain dishes kind of, you know, certainly in the Caribbean, we see uh, many of the dishes across island to island prepared in similar, if not exact ways. Um, but I'll be interested to know, you know, any more your perspective on that as we go beyond the Caribbean, as we go, um, you know, within the African diaspora or even beyond that. Oh, that's actually a good one. I mean, I feel that there's so many connections if you kind of look for it. 
For instance, I'm going to start off with a Caribbean dish. I'm going to jump to another Caribbean dish that kind of connects to different parts. So for instance, curry chicken. Of course, the spices, the curry, the yellow um, curry leaves that are blended up to give you your powder and the turmeric just to make the color and flavors. Not only is fun in the Caribbean, but we were trading spices, of course, connected to our histories before. But that also connects to Indian culture because they have the various different curries through that. So we have that connection through an ent entirely different area. Though with a kind of interesting coin term of the West Indies, <laughs> it, it kind of also blends into that. But even something, this is one of my favorites. Some people are not for it, but I'll state it anyway. I love sauce, a.k.a. pig's feet. It is one of my most favorite things to eat. Many people, I know y'all can't get down with the, the pig feet too much, but nope. it has that connection to the team, United States connecting to African-Americans because they do pig's feet as well, not quite cooked the exact same way, but then they add a little hot sauce on it and it's perfect. For us, it's just more like a stew with a bread, but it has that connection that kind of blends through cultures and different areas. And then, of course, I feel everywhere has teas in general. We have our lemongrass teas and we have our bush teas, but those connect in every, in almost every culture, as far as in all the way to like Asian type cultures, as well as, you know, if you want to go as connecting to us to like British or UK, where they have their, you know, English tea, it still has connections. So it's beautiful to see like how everything kind of interlocks, just if we looked a little bit harder. It's funny, right? Because I think of some of my most vivid memories and a lot of them are when I was sitting down enjoying a dish with somebody else or other people. And I can clearly remember the things I was eating at the time. Um, so it's some, there's something about food that just brings people together and unifies yeah. them. Even down to the saying, let's sit down and break bread. Exactly. Know? Um, there's just something about it, especially your food again, Jerome. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful to see, like, I, as you say that a memory, there's like a vivid memory. I'm sure this person has no idea that I remember this. It was when I was going to a different school, like in elementary, and we had a Thanksgiving kind of potluck. Her mom made a banana cream pie. I never had it ever. To, to this day, I can't forget it. And mind you, this is, I feel like, as they would say, where we're from donkey years ago. <laughs> I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was so phenomenal. I think, just like I said, the connections that we have with food, the flavors, the taste, it like, it kind of sticks with you. It, it's like your mind wants to remember that good thing that you enjoyed so much that you can't let it go. So I, I have a question. I'm going to go a little little off script here. And it just <laughs> popped in my head because you were talking about the taste. For someone who is such a foodie or food connoisseur like yourself, I'm sure at some point you have had something prepared that didn't have no flavor or no <laughs> taste. What is your general reaction? I, I'm assuming you're not telling the person but what is what is your general reaction when you're tasting something and you're like, nah? So <laughs> that's actually funny. Um, but I try to be as um, modest as possible, especially when it doesn't quite get there. Um, but like, if it's the idea of like, if you want my honest opinion, I try to be, you know, I'd, I'd give you hints as to what might be best. I mean, I've been told by my older siblings, I'm one of the hardest food critics. So if I like it, it has to be good. But um, I try to be nice because like I said, everybody's learning. Everybody has different steps. I remember making my first like personal pan pizza and I was a kid. And instead of using regular flour, I used like self-raising. I mean, it was like a cake. It was, it was <laughs> horrible. But it's, a, it's you're learning and growing and seeing what flavors blend. So I try to be, like I said, I try to be, I be on the modest kind of 
calm and nice side. I think as we, if you're a closer friend, I tend to be a little bit more honest than normal. I try to not destroy your, your passion and drive. <laughs> Jerome, I, I'm seeing some comments. <laughs> you're going to light them up. If they, if they don't come right with the food and the season, <laughs> you will not hesitate to let them know. So I guess we'll do it at that. I'll take you at your word. Yeah, yes, there's, please. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of comments about that, Oliver. I, I know, I know how uh, you know that was probably the best PC version of. I gotta be modest, right? Uh, uh. So, so I asked, you know, while you were talking, I asked the comments, I asked the viewers rather, you know, if they had any questions, and we had a question that came in uh, from one of our viewers, one of our loyal viewers. Hey, Adri. Uh, she said, during the pandemic, did you find yourself creating any new dishes, right? Uh, you were just talking about experimenting. Uh, did you find yourself experimenting with any new dishes, any new seasonings or anything of the sort? That's actually a great question. I I was doing a lot of things during the pandemic. Um, of course, everybody had the bread kick. So, of course, trying to find yeast in the stores were, was crazy. But I like I wanted, I guess one thing I will say, when leaving from the Virgin Islands to here, one of the biggest things I kind of worked on is or wanted to have is a way to connect to home. So that was through cooking. So I wanted to make sure to try and do our cultural dishes. So for one-on-one, -on -one, the history and the connection is not lost. So one of the things I made was basically a um, raisin bun. And so I did that, but then I got creative with different things. So I made um, a sorrel ice cream. So it's like a vanilla ice cream with sorrel swirls in it. So it gives you that, it, it works really good because it's like almost like a strawberry type setup, of course, in a sorrel flavor. So it just, it blended really well. Um, and then I, I, I'm about to bring up the big V word that people run from, but I made a lot of vegan dishes as well. So <laughs> I, I dabble in everything when it comes to food. So making different things that work, even incorporating different things that are culturally made, I'm veganizing it. And it still tastes great. So <laughs> don't run from that. <laughs> hey, anything is better than pig's feet. Oh, <laughs> a good pig's feet with some bread. Oh, oh it's the best on. thing ever. <laughs> come on, Oliver. The, so you know, you you touched on a point that was that was very interesting to me, um, and so it's a point about you know your cultural traditions or cultural uh, foods, um, and wanted to have that connection, right? I know, you know, we're all from the Virgin Islands here. And it's it's I know the conversation about you know losing our cultural identity or certainly losing our cultural foods because the younger generation isn't doing enough of uh, learning how to make these dishes, right? So that whole that whole you know thought process or that, that thing going away. What uh, what are your thoughts around that? I, it's, I'm actually kind of sad to see it happen, the idea of uh, like younger generations kind of losing the connections because the food has more than just the flavors connection. For instance, if I have molasses up here, I the reason why is because molasses is connected to our sugar mills and slave trade and our history. So losing the even how our foods are made is that you're actually losing the parts of history that makes you know who you are, especially when it comes to your cultural identity. Um, and then even, sadly, when going home, there's not as many places that are making our traditional foods as much. It's come more of like of a mix of full Caribbean, um, which is not a bad thing, but there are some individualities in between each island that makes each island shine i.e. Trinidad is good for their curry. Um, I mean, how many people really have a VI potato stuff in? Like, no, many people don't know about it, but the minute they've had it, that's something that's connected to us. Our pates versus Jamaican um, patties, which I am very much biased. I'm definitely towards the pates. But I, that new generation, I, I, I'm, I know there's sprinkles of individuals who are holding on and, of course, trying to get their grandmother or grandfather or their family's recipes. But I think 
that's important. It 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 helps to build that foundation that connects you and has you like grounded in who you are on all levels. So hmm, where, how do I want to say this? All right. So I kind of called out the younger generation there for a second <laughs> and saying they don't really, you know, they're not, you know, not certainly not as the older generation was dependent upon, you know, a stove and an oven in order to eat. You know, this generation is, is certainly dependent upon, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and, and what have you. Um, so they, they have everything on demand. Uh, we had a question from one of our viewers here. Um, and I bring it up because my wife always says that our food takes a long time. Mm -hmm. right? And what she means by that is it's a long, you know, prep time and, and a lot of stuff before, like, for instance, curry, right? You, you, you put the, the seasoning in the pot and you start to put your vegetables and your other seasoning in that pot before the meat even goes in. Right. Or yeah. whatever your main protein is. In my case, it would be chickpeas or something like that. Or mm -hmm. Eggplant or something. Like that. But um, you put that kind of stuff in before that. Right. So um, that's a whole process, you know. So to a point of the question here, <laughs> do you do you prep ahead of time for anything or you just kind of, you know, go into the kitchen and start, you know, going with the flow? I usually like to prep beforehand because doing it the same time. Like like said earlier, it's a process. It takes some time. You have to get all your vegetables cut up, like you said, get everything. Like, to be honest, what I normally do is I get, like, for instance, you go to your local Costco, Sam's Club, whatever, and pick up a bag of chicken. I wash and season it. Wash, stress the word, wash, <laughs> and season my chicken. And Say it like, again, a... room. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to wash. <laughs> and basically pre-season, and then I put it into my deep freezer. So then I at least that portion is taken out, so I'm ready to kind of go. But if you don't prep ahead of time, especially for a lot of the cultural dishes, you end up lacking, like you said, the flavor or you lack in other areas. So I usually do all my prep work on just designated one day of the week. I'm, I don't have no problems with leftovers, which I know a lot of people aren't for, but I tend to try to meal prep within at least for the week of like my lunch and my dinner. So that my breakfast is when I'm kind of doing on the go. But if you don't, like for me, if to do it, if I had to sit down today and start from now, I probably won't finish until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> it's labor intensive for sure. Very. Um, so talk to us about the prepping of the, the menu itself. Are you prepping dishes based on the people who will be eating? Or are you just prepping based on what you, whatever's coming to you, what you feel like cooking, you know, the, 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 um, the foods that you can find available. Talk to us about how you prep. That's a good one. I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a mix. So like, if I have a set menu in my head, like, I, I guess someone who likes to cook, you think about food a lot more than I think the typical person. So like, I'm already thinking about what I'm prepping for next week, even though we're right now on Thursday, just so that I know. So if depending on what kind of setup I want to do, like for instance, um, if it's like, for instance, a big event, like 4th of July, last 4th of July, I did a prep and what I wanted to do was make, and once again, I'm about to bring up that V word, um, I made everything that was a vegan um, 4th of July. But when you look at the plate, you really can't tell. There was barbecue meatballs, quote unquote. There was vegan hot dogs. There was fried oyster mushrooms that looked like fried chicken. Like it was this setup. So it also depends on who's eating it. Cause like I said, some people are afraid of the V word. So like I have a very close um, God sister. The minute I say vegan is like, Oh, she doesn't want it. <laughs> so I have to either trick her into be like, Oh, you should try this food. And then afterwards say it just so that it's like, Oh, this wasn't so bad. But I mean, it depends on what individuals are looking for. And then Depending and like, if, especially if I've made food for you once or twice, there's I have normal favorites. So like, I have different friends that, for instance, curry chicken. If I'm gonna show up to their house, it better be in my hand, or I'm gonna have to go back home. Or there's this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to leave it. 
Or there's like this 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 cake is a parfait cake that I make that I can't not make if I'm gonna be showing up to that household. So I guess it just depends on what the individuals kind of looking for and the foods that you know kind I know it would spark their interest. But I also have these things. So this is something I shared with my father, and what we used to call it was a triathing, which was you put something together you think might work and then have and then see how it turns out. One of my trier things um, was these Tom and Stu cupcakes. I love Tom and Stu. So for individuals who don't know, it's like a tamarind fruit. <laughs> yo, Chris. Yo. <laughs> his, his Tom and Stu cupcake is banging. Jerome had me over here ready to take a bite out of my arm. So. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, those are the type of things I try to do, like throw in random things that might work or because also I'm trying to also build a menu of things that I can do, like a book that I can leave, you know, families to come so that that generational pull of history is with it. I love that, Oliver. I really love it. You know, so yeah, I'm going to ask a question, but I kind of feel like I'm getting the answer already from what you're saying, right? Um, and the question is, you know, is for you in particular, as you're going through the process, is cooking therapeutic for you? I would say yes. For the most part, it's therapeutic. It's the idea of just combining things, the uh, the enjoyment. I, like I said, I enjoy food. The being able to say, oh, let me see if I put this and this together, how it blends. Let me try it this way. Maybe I need to add that this. So it's this movement. Mind you, there have been some oopsie daisies when it comes to some of the things I've made. I try to, those tend never to make it to the ground, but, um, <laughs> but everything else, like as things come along and go, it's it's a it's a journey, but it's a fun one. Um, and it, like I said, it's just an, it's an exploration of what's out there, the different things. Because there's a lot of things that someone may have not tried or seen or had before that. Now it's like, oh my goodness, I never knew about this, but this is amazing. You know, and I, I think that's an important point, right? So I'm going to ask a question. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to go in the direction that I'm thinking you're going to go, right? But how how important is experimentation um, when it comes to cooking? Oh, I think it's it's very important. It is some of those quote unquote random flukes <laughs> that actually becomes masterpieces. So is. For instance, you made a mistake and added an extra cup of flour in this. Okay, well, maybe now I need to, instead of making a cake, this market might become a, a um, what do you call it? Become a waffle or something. <laughs> this idea, it, it happens. I, I remember mixing something and I was like, oh, I added way too much of this. So now I need to, to work it. Because it also, with that exploration, it also helps you to fix things that you may have made a mistake and I'm like, for instance, uh, uh, just a heads up, if something's too salty, you add a little bit of sugar, it kicks off the salty taste and it kind of makes everything bland. But you don't know that if you haven't done the, you know, the experimentation and whatnot. And I also experiment and I, I should, I guess I should change the word more or less. I do my renditions of other cultural foods as well. So that, for instance, we don't really make samosas in the Virgin Islands, but I love them. I've actually made one from scratch using and using like whole wheat. And it was amazing to me. Uh, my brother had it and really liked it. And I, it was the idea of just making sure that I try to stick as close to that culture's setup, but not mess it up, so to speak. Nothing frustrates me more than to see someone put forth someone else's culture saying that this is it when it's really not. Because for those who try to do that same recipe and not like it, now you now kind of hurt that person's culture overall. I, I, go ahead, Chris. Because uh, yeah, go ahead. This is more of a personal question for me, right? And this is getting into the details of the actual cooking process. So I've you know thrown some stuff together, and I, I consider myself to be okay. I, I won't <laughs> let you taste my food yet because I don't want to get that bad of a Don't let them scare you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. So sometimes I'm experimenting, right? And I'm just throwing a little bit of something here, a little dash of that there. And then it comes out great. My problem is I don't remember what I threw in there, how much of it. So are you writing your stuff down? Talk, talk to us about how you remember the actual process when it does come out right. 
And that is a very hard question to answer. <laughs> the reason why <laughs> the reason why is I am I struggle to be able, and when it comes to recipes, I struggle to be able to know how much I put in certain things just because I kind of throw it. Um, I don't know for, and this is probably going to be something interesting to hear, but about 80 to 90% of the things I make, I actually don't taste until I'm about to eat it. Meaning I don't taste it in between time. A lot of it goes with, for me, is a sense of smell. So how things smell, the aroma that comes, I'm very keen to that. But to say, oh, I put in three tablespoons of this or four, I struggle with that. It actually came to the point where I was making my own like Caribbean like dry rub for meats. And I literally had to weigh each container before and after just to get the numbers close. But it's difficult. So that is a good one. I mean, I would say as you... If you keep on trying to recreate that same, I guess, experiment, you will start to then start tasting what might be missing or what needs to be added. And that kind of helps you see. But like, for instance, seasoning my chicken, I dump stuff all over it, mix it up, look at it, smell it. If it smells right and it looks right, then it's good to go. Otherwise, I need to add a little bit of this because this is missing this in there or it's not showing the colors necessary. Dying to help the uh, the amateur. amateur <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That ain't helpful for the amateur at all. One step at a time from boiling water to boiling tea. <laughs> but what it does say is that, you know, it's okay to experiment and kind of, you know, go go and figure out new things with food, certainly foods um, that may not be, you know, as you said earlier, not native to your culture, your upbringing. Um, but, you know, you try it out because, you know, um, you just want to try it out, right? For you, you know, cooking is therapeutic. Um, you know, you certainly find a joy in, you know, delivering that dish to somebody and seeing their response, right? So that's, yes. I think that's an amazing, amazing trait. You know, there was this one time that you had experiment with some dumb bread and it didn't turn out Oof, so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, we have our, we have our mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you missed it. But, but the fact that you even tried, right? Like I wouldn't even try it for, you know, I, I mean, I won't try it for a lot of things. My, my, my role is I'll season the meat. I, I don't eat meat, but I'll season it and it tastes great. And I know because to your point, you know, I, I, I'll smell it. I know what seasonings go well with each other and stuff like that. Um, for back in the day when I used to eat meat, right? Go vegans. Um, or vegetarians. Yeah. The so so we had a question in the comments um, that I think is appropriate as well. Um, what kind of music do you listen to uh, when you cook or bake, or or do you listen to any music? Okay, so I am a true soca feta. So I listen to soca all the time. Like if there was a hidden camera in here, you all would be thinking I am working up <laughs> with my food. It's it, it because if, like I said, I'm putting parts of my soul into this food. So if I'm listening, I'm listening to Soka, I'm jamming, like, the music is on. You swear there is a party happening in my house, but it's just me, my pots and pans, and just the smell of fragrances of home. So nine times out of ten, if I'm making something, Soka is on the back play. <laughs> I've been trying to hold this question to the end, right? But I, I can't hold it any longer. And Ralph, you may know what's coming, but yeah, yeah. I... I I have had this conversation with you, Jerome. You may not remember this. Uh, <laughs> and I know Ralph has. And I guarantee there's dozens of others who have as well. And you clearly have a joy for cooking and sharing that experience with others. When are we going to get a cookbook or a show <laughs> or some type of, you know, I can order off online and, you know, pop it in the oven? Something, man. Something. I definitely hear that. Actually, it's funny. Um, I do have a. I want to make a cookbook. Um, I've already thought of the process of what I want. It's just now kind of getting the recipes that makes. So you remember how I talked about I want something that connects to our history and what's not. So what I was trying to start to do is make a cookbook that has different spices and stuff 
connected to our culture, as well as putting the historical overlay of it. So like I talked about molasses, I, I was working like working on like molasses type cookies or adding it into like a barbecue sauce. Actually, there there is a barbecue sauce that I do plan to make. It's going to be, and I'll share it because it's not like anyone has the recipe for it, but it's a guava barbecue sauce with infused portions of Crucian rum guava in it. It is by far one of the best barbecue sauces I've ever tasted and made. And that I might be able to dabble into that because it has a culture, it has our cultural like types of fruits. And once again, guava is not only found in the Caribbean, it is found in a lot of different places, even in Mexico. But the barbecue sauce, I've had people who don't eat chicken. So um, Ralphie might want to watch out, but I've had people who don't yo, eat chicken. Yo, put on some jackfruit. I am good. Barbecue sauce. That won't get me drunk too. <laughs> so yeah, a cookbook is the route I really kind of want to go. Cause like I said, I want to, I want, I like the mix and infusion. So I've looked into just like just the different herbs and what's not that connect to home or even just in the Caribbean as a whole. Well, and that's a really unique idea, right? Because I can't think of a cookbook, not that, you know, I'm a cookbook expert by any means, but I can't think of a cookbook where it actually ties back to the history or talks about the ingredients or where they uh, where they actually came from. So that's really unique. I like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so cool. we, got a, we got some comments about what you just said there about, you know, you know, getting out there and, and delivering some meals to folks. Right? <laughs> so, you know, you're certainly making, you know, Chris and I hungry on this on this call. Um, you know, you're, you're sounding like you're making everyone else hungry too. So you, you might want to consider, right, maybe doing some, you know, cooking or baking classes, teach people some basic meals. Yeah, and to your point of, uh, you know, continuing uh, the traditions um, and the cultural identity, um, you know, another form of being able to do that. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I'm a, I, like I said, also, I want to talk about the idea of just switching up diets, mixing things in. I'm going to throw in, like, like I said, vegan or even changing up just the things. Because I don't know if many people realize or connect that now, our foods are not technically bad, but it's just that because, of course, it connects to slave trade and the parts of the animals and the parts of the things that we have, our food in inherently isn't the best. But there's ways to do slight changes that make it work okay. Like, for instance, um, a lot of people love my curry chicken. Normally, curry chicken is made with vegetable oil. I haven't made curry chicken with vegetable oil in eons. I actually did it with olive oil. But you can't taste or tell the difference. But that's just because I make sure that everything kind of blends together. Or I actually have recently not, I don't eat rice as much. There's something called farro. It's a healthier ancient mm. grain is that makes is taking baby steps. I think a lot of people are trying to do these big jumps. When if you do baby steps into just changing up little things, it can make a world of a difference. Yeah, I like that idea. It, I, I like it as well. So let's say I come to you and I say I'm on a diet. Ooh. What type of dish are you gonna prepare? And let's we can get dive into the you know the concept of a diet and everything too. But I'd love to get your ideas and your thoughts on that. See, for me. The word diet, I think how people see it, they see it more or less, in my opinion, as a fad. Something that you do just for a, a set time, time. Oh, I want to get, quote unquote, sexy to be going to the next party or event. I want to be ready for that summer body to get where I need to go. But um, so for me, it's more of a lifestyle change of little, like I said, little things that kind of build. But say you wanted something that you were saying you want something to eat, you want in a certain diet. I tend to lean towards things that are more natural based. So that way you don't really have to worry about, oh, is this really bad? Like I said, instead of white rice, actually for farro, for instance, farro is better than white rice and brown rice. To me, it has a better taste and a better texture. Mm -hmm. um, if you wanted to do something, for instance, that's curry, but you don't really want it to be oil based, you can kind of make it like a, 
Now this will be a little bit drier, but you can make it where it's like more of like a bake or like even I've never tried the air fry thaw process, but I'm actually do that. The next time I, I post, I'm have to tag you all of that. But I'm sure there's a way to coat it so you could get it because I've done a shake and bake curry chicken, which was really good. Um, but I, it is I like the idea of natural ingredients. I think individuals don't realize as people or as humans, as far as evolutionary perspectives, we haven't evolved anywhere but our foods are constantly evolving constantly changing new like, new ingredients new um quote-unquote chemicals but i don't think our body can process those and the microorganisms are quote-unquote in our gut if you didn't know um also don't do well too much with things too much changing so as far as the diet is concerned i would say like i'm not gonna give you lettuce alone. It'll be something that's mixed maybe with lettuce, avocado, your healthy fats, you have your tomatoes. You have a balance um, so that you are not left hungry. I don't want you to, I think the worst thing to do is to go somewhere and leave hungry after you eat. I've, that's happened to me a couple of times where I, I look at the plate and I was like, oh, this is nice, but I'm going to have to eat when I go home. So, <laughs> so that, that, that kills the purpose of the whole idea of eating quote unquote better. That's awesome. I see. I see you, Oliver. How you how you start to bring in, you know, some of the microbiology and uh, you know all of that, you know, PhD stuff you got going on. <laughs> um, but you make some solid points, right? And you know, I, I kind of wonder, um, you know, that there's all of these to the diet point. There's all of these fads, right? One thing over another thing. This is better than that. Um, you know, what I kind of heard you say is that, look, you know, just eat, um, eat well and choose baby steps to your point. Choose different alternatives, right? Instead of white rice or brown rice, um, the other grain that you were talking about. Um, you, you know, is, is there for the novice, right? Is there is there somewhere that they can go and kind of get kind of that information on, on how they can slowly start to eat differently? Uh, to support a, a, a more lifestyle change? You know, surprisingly enough, it's in your, usually in your neighborhood. I started looking at books in my public library. I searched for things on like, like low, so for instance, I looked over a low fat diet setup or look at things that said more natural based or the, I, and mind you, there's, of course, there's YouTube followers. There's a couple that I, I follow that I see what meals they make. There's one, her name's like, Danny Spees, and she had made a potato salad. And in it, it has like one spoon of light mayo. The rest of it is Greek, um, plain Greek yogurt. When I did it, I followed her recipe. It was amazing. It tasted just like potato salad, but it had half of the fat. But then I think actually one of um, my closest friends, I could say, and also I, would, I consider her like my little sister, I'll never forget this. This is a memory I'll never forget. I, We were, of course, being undergraduates. We're going to the grocery store. I'm driving. I go to pick up. And this is where I, th I would say my journey started. I went and I picked up Chef Boyardee. That's something I used to eat as a kid when there was nothing else made, something quick and simple. And when I picked it up, she literally screamed. And I was like, what? What's wrong? She's like, do you know how much sodium is in that? And that alone made a bigger change because now are you looking at the back of the things that you pick up in the store? Or are you just are you just picking things up? So when you start looking for things that you can't pronounce, so now you're looking for more natural based things, those things kind of come in. Or if you even need to, you have, uh, it, it amazes me how many people don't realize you are walking with a computer in your pocket, in your hand, you talk on it every day. And it gives you so much information, whether it be little things on, what's healthy, what's the recommended amounts of X, Y, and Z, say it's sodium, say it's sugar amounts. All of that, all you have to do is ask Google, ask Siri, ask Android, because I'm going to big up my, my team Android for the few who do have <laughs> <laughs> But it's the idea of just little things searching. I mean, the and then even when it comes to even your own health, searching for things. I think a lot of people look for what comes in a bottle or basically like pills or medicine when a lot of the natural foods that we have do or help in these ways if you would just start to incorporate them into your quote-unquote diet. It's interesting that you bring that up and that brings up a couple of thoughts for me, right? I'm 
somewhat ashamed to say that I am a fan of Taco Bell. Um, and I looked up the other night, I was having a craving. Uh, you know, I don't indulge in it too much, but I'm like, man, I would really love some Taco Bell tonight. And I looked on the menu on my computer because I was doing some work on the side and they had this little icon and I clicked on the icon and it said high sodium content. So I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? So I started doing some research. One of the dishes that they serve um, has more sodium content in it than what's supposed to be for your daily intake. And I would eat three or four of them things, no problem. <laughs> no problem at all. So I'm happy to say that I did not indulge in Taco Bell and I haven't since. So I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning, right? The other thing I learned, and I've never forgotten this, and I can't remember where I heard it. If you look at the back of a can or you know, whatever it is, and look at the ingredients, and you can't pronounce the ingredients, they're probably not good for you. So exactly. your point, right? I try to stick to the stuff that I can pronounce, the stuff that I recognize. If it starts going into, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that I have to Google and look up, I'm just going to skip it and move on. Definitely. Yeah, I've used I've used that setup for like if there's something I really like and I I'm like I, I it's it's sad. Sometimes I don't want to look at the back as I was like I don't want to ruin my experience. <laughs> but it happens. Yep. Yeah, there's yep. this person on uh, on Instagram that I follow. Uh, I think I am surviving vegan or something like that. And she, the saying that she has is what has me responding to this. She says the front is for entertainment and the back is for education. I like that a lot. Yeah, the yeah. front is for entertainment because you notice on the front they'll say organic, they'll say natural, they'll say plant based, right? But then you flip on the back, it's like, where is all of that that thing you said on the front, right? Exactly. It's, right. it's not present. And, and especially in our culture, right? Our, you know, Black diaspora across the board, you know, um, certainly here in the States, we, we tend to eat food that is, the way that is prepared and the type of food that we eat is bad for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it, it causes heart disease. That's the number one killer in the Af African-American community. Um, you know, it diabetes, another uh, probably number two killer um, in the African-American community. We consume these foods and, and we tend, you know, again, we talked about how the, the joy that the food brings us. Right. And, the, and, the, and the, the events that we go to that we have fun at and the foods out there. And we tend to. Um, uh, associate the food with a good time and but but we also have to consider um the way that it's what we're, what we're consuming is really you know the fuel for our body for ourselves and all that jazz um and as a result um it can either take the body um you know down or up right you know if you okay. say down being bad and up being good it can take the 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 body in the direction that you may or may not want it to go um so Hey, that's this is a PSA. Eat better, guys. And one so, step at a time. <laughs> I have a question related to that. Is it possible to eat healthy or better on a budget? Because you know, you could go get something fast food, you could get a whole meal for five dollars and make it a large. So <laughs> <laughs> is it possible to have a healthy prepare that's tasty? where you can do it, you know, uh, for a reasonable cost. That's a good one. I mean, for me, I think that's very possible because I cannot do that. So normally when I do my meal preps, I spend for that week $30. And it's covering my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner for mm. the entire week. So if you broke that down, I'm paying $5 a day or say, or $6 a day. How on my that? meal. <laughs> right. It's all about it's basically about planning. It's it's what first off I usually try to look, and this is I guess where creativity kind of comes into play sometimes. Um, I look to see whatever grocery stores that you enjoy going to, see what's on sale that week. Based on what's on sale that week, then you can maybe plan to make meals that match it. 
So that way, now you're getting the cheapest cost things. And mind you, they're still healthy. So you can still get, for instance, I had a green smoothie this week. Like the, the, um, the kale that I bought, not the kale, the collard greens that I bought was $1.50. And that's covering part of the beginning. Of course, there's bananas, but those are like, what, 69 or 68 cents a pound. I only need like four of those. Avocado is probably the most expensive, but I think that was two bucks. Um, and you cut those in quarters. And so you have, when you start to have a plethora of things, especially like I said, I usually look at the sale item things first to kind of try to make my meal prep situations. Um but also, it's just like I said, finding the right places to buy stuff too. Because I know a lot, and especially even say, even for the diaspora in general, we don't seem to have the same avenues for the amount of grocery stores, depending. So the quote unquote, like food deserts, where you only have the fast foods, and then you only have convenience stores. Now, where do you buy your foods? to make it work. So that's where I think, I wish, I guess, if the world was a perfect world, we can have places where individuals can buy sustainable foods and goods to help them. Because to me, the best way to eat your best is if you make it yourself. Yes, it takes time, but like if you make a burger in your house, it's not gonna have as much sodium as a burger at a fast food restaurant. If you made the potatoes, if you cut the potatoes to make your fries yourself, they're gonna be healthier. They may not be the the double arch look fries, but they'll still sustain your needs. So It's very feasible. It's just that sometimes you kind of have to play with the market, see, like I said, what's on sale, be able to look into creative ways. And mind you, like I said, you have a powerhouse in your hand. There's, if you ask Google, you ask Siri, I need a meal that has, let's say, red eye, black eyed peas and okra. You're going to find at least five dishes that will have that. So that, that way now you can play now. Will you like it? Uh, it's, it's like I said, it's experimentation. It's a journey. Maybe it didn't work this way this time, but you realize, oh, maybe if I added some pig's feet, it might work great. So- nope. <laughs> nope. It'd be horrible. Don't do it, people. Don't do it. <laughs> but I, I kind of like those. That, I mean, that's some life hacks you just shared right there. For right? sure. That, that's an amazing life hack. because I never thought of that. that that's amazing. Um, so to the point to the people in the comments, man, you need to have a you know little video series or something. I, I keep saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been thinking about different things because, like, just even buying from one grocery store, putting the things together, and making a meal. I've thought about that just because, like I said, many people don't know what to get at the grocery store, or, just, or they just buy their normals versus being able to say, oh, let me double in this. Like, I've doubled in areas that I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, for instance, I would say I tried fennel, and it's not for me. It works great for others, but it's not for me. I used to hate beets. I love beets now. It's just that I had to prepare them differently. So it's being willing to, and, I, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people struggle to be able to go outside of their comfort zone, especially when it comes to food. But like I said, I guess the idea of this whole topic of food and joy, they don't, they're afraid that they won't get the joy from the food they're <laughs> taking in. So they're like, eh, I'll stick to my norms. But like you said, we have different ailments, different things. And there's little things if you only knew, i.e. if you have diabetes, you might want to try and eat broccoli more spinach. Spinach is one of my favorite things. You mix that up with some rice, it works great. You put that in soup or spaghetti, it works great. If you want something sweet to offset the whole mix of your, of your pasta mix, add some corn. It's still good things that balance off each other and kind of blend well, but it takes time to realize. And like I said, sometimes you might have a, you may hit a, a snag, but then it's like, okay, now you know the next time that doesn't quite work in this mix. You you said, you know, we need to ask Siri or ask Alexa. What we really need to do is ask the role. <laughs> I had a little caricature cut out of you you know, on my kitchen counter where I could just say, hey, Jerome, what you think about this one? This is working. <laughs> I'm going to have to take that. Wait, look for the outcome and see. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So in your estimation, at the end of the day, what is it that makes a good cook? I think what really makes a good cook, and I think that stands out, is someone who enjoys seeing someone else smile, enjoy the passion and foods that bring. Because there's some people who just cook because it's their job. And sometimes it shows up in the end result. It may look pretty, but it may not have 
the soul, I guess, as if you want to say soul food, it doesn't have the soul of a good food. Like it's just kind of there. Um, I will give you one example. I did a cake competition and I made this cake and, and basically people tried it. And then basically you put in tickets to see who has like the best of the best. I end up losing to a rum cake. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> I was second. But one of the one of the one of the clients who came came in and like dropped all of his tickets in my container and he was like the icing you put on this cake reminded me of this this um older lady in my neighborhood in Philly when I was a kid and I got that and out of everybody who said things that was one of the things that stuck out the most to me because I just now brought you back in time I connected to a part of your soul that remembered this minute thing that others may not have noticed, but it meant the world to you at that time. So I think a good cook takes you through time. It's almost like quantum leap. Every time I'll, every time we have a conversation, I just don't understand why you're doing microbiology. <laughs> <laughs> but what you just said there was profound, right? That was That was powerful. Um, on how how food is so important in our lives and in our experience as human beings, as as relational as it is, um, and your ability as a you know I'll call you a chef, Chef Oliver, um, as your ability to transport people across time, um, you know, dig deep into their memories and pull out some of the you know, amazing experiences that they had. So I know we're running short on time and we haven't even gotten into the desserts yet. Yeah. <laughs> the desserts as well, the cakes, the tarts. Talk to us about that. And, and is it possible? I, I know it's possible to be good at one and not the other, but you seem to be good at both. Talk to us about how you balance the two. So that's interesting. Um, most, I, I've run into actually other chefs, and that's why I kind of realized most either can cook or bake. They usually don't do both as well. I would say, if, if you wanted to find my Achilles heel, I would say, and it's going to be really surprising, I don't make cookies that well. I, like regular cookies, like your chocolate chip, they just don't come out in my setup. But anything else when it comes to cakes and pastries, I don't know. I've... And the weirdest thing is, and um, my grandparents is the one who actually kind of said it to actually my father. My father told me when I was younger, I made this quote unquote box cake and I did a, a orange um, glaze on top. And they told my, and it was for their anniversary. And so my father, they didn't tell me. I don't know why why grandparents tend to do this sometimes, tell, the, tell their son and then have their son trickle the information. But they said to him that, the cake that we just had does not taste like a box cake. It mm. tastes like I made it from scratch. And so I think those are the little drops and notes that kind of led to me wanting to move into cakes and baking cakes. But then, of course, culturally, we have our Vienna cake that I have to make. Tarts, I'm getting pretty good at. I won't say I'm 100%, but I'm like 99% to where I want it. Being a perfectionist, of course, designing cakes and stuff is my drive, but um dessert wise it just kind of comes easy to me a lot of baking is measurements so you have to be kind of precise on that but then also seeing the nuances of oh if you scoop the flour this way your cake is more dense what types of flours you use so it's like and here's where the science comes in ralph the idea of the chemistry that's needed the the baking powder that helps to cause bubbles that cause the cake to rise all of this kind of mixes into science which also i guess in essence one thing I will say is that I always strive for diversity, not only in people, but in the area of STEM. So when I finish my degree at Howard, I also want to get more people that look like us in avenues where we're not. And if that also includes baking and cooking, I'm here for it. Real quick, uh, one of our uh, viewers says, I have to ask for a sample of your rum cake. So I'll be keeping an eye out in the mailbox. Send it. <laughs> No problem. The top one is a is a passion fruit rum cake using Crucian rum because you know I have to back up via all the way. <laughs> so as we close out, what final thoughts do you have for you know our topic this evening? Um, 
you've shared so many gems that I know I personally will start using moving forward. But if you had to sum it all up, what would you say to our viewers? I would say food, it soothes your soul, but it also nourishes your body. It's, it's the one thing that you don't have you don't have to know the language for. It's that one thing that once you give it, it um, especially if you have the true feel and love and the person knows that it's in the food, it tends to just bloom and shine. And so that way, once you are apart, say you are not say you're you're moving away or you have this this distant connection, it's the way of how you can keep part of someone's soul that connects and makes your day just a little better. And when you say that, that make me want to just slow down when I eat my food and really take it in. You, know? you can't rush it. You can't rush it. <laughs> oh man, Oliver, we thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, certainly our viewers thank you as well. They they were blowing up in the comments questions and and in, and laughing and engaging and and talking about uh, birthday cakes that uh, that you've made for them that oh, yeah. with the Trini flag draped over it and <laughs> they still have pieces of it in their freezer. Oh, um, nice! <laughs> <laughs> eating it by, by one by one. Hey, hey, guys. Um, you know we went over a little bit. We uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, if you want to follow Jerome, um, is Pates and more on Instagram. That's P-A-T-E-S and more on Instagram. Uh, Jerome, do you want him to follow your other uh, your other handle too? Yeah, All I right. can because there's recipe, there's meal preps in that one. So pates and more is more cakes and pates. My other one is more like all the meal preps I do per week. So if you have a, if you see something there you like, hit me up. I'll, I'll I'll send the the recipe at least to the best without you know measurements might be a little off but <laughs> you can always try it out. Try a ting, right? Exactly. Try a ting. <laughs> that's exactly it, right? So that's certainly the takeaway for tonight. Is you know if you haven't you know tried something before, try a ting, figure it out, experiment, enjoy. There's such richness um, in in food. Um, both from a health perspective and certainly from a uh, from a joy perspective. We thank you guys for being here with us tonight. Um, we thank you for hand, uh, for joining us. Uh, let's congratulate Jerome on his first podcast. Thank you uh, for he, having me too. <laughs> um, and join us again next week, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Um, Eastern. Follow at Breathe Easy Media. Uh, well, you will be able to know the shows that are coming up for us um, and what kind of stuff that we're talking about um, that's going to bring you joy um, in your life. Uh, again, we thank you. And until next week, have an amazing experience called life. Yeah.